Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. John chapter 7, verse 37. Verse 37 through verse 40. I want to talk to you about thirsty. If you are thirsty. Something the Lord laid upon my heart. I want to share with you. And you may have heard this before, but if you have, please stay with us. Stay tuned anyway. You'll enjoy it. On the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Come to me. And listen to this. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. I love this. Let me just read it again. He said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And if you have by any, uh, any had the opportunity by any means to study the basis and the backstory on this, you'll understand that this is really an interesting story. And I'm not going to take time to tell you the whole story because that takes like a whole four or five hours and pastor gets, you know, he wouldn't like that, you wouldn't like that. But I want to talk to you just about these first few words. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Because this is the beginning of basically what become the closing moments of the ministry of Jesus. And he's still got some time to go. The cross is still up out there in the distance. But he's beginning to prepare the people around him for what comes next. His ministry has been a ministry of deliverance, a ministry of healing, a ministry of helping. He's been a comforter. He's been there. He's answered the questions. He's remarkably shown them all the kingdom of heaven, and it's looking really good. And now he's going to take the last few moments of his ministry, and he's beginning to prepare the way for what comes next. Because what is coming next is called the coming of the comforter or the coming of the Holy Spirit. But the way that he introduces it is kind of a remarkable way, and it doesn't begin that day. It begins way back in the desert in the history of the nation of Israel. Now, I heard, I heard you guys talking about doing camping. This camping is coming up, right? How many like to go camping? Just raise your hand. I like to say, I, I like to go camping. Raise your hand. Let me pray for you. Okay, Father, heal them. Okay, okay I'm sorry. Camping is not my thing. Forgive me. But if you're a camper, this is going to be your festival. This was during the festival of the tabernacle, the festival of booze or the festival of tabernacle, which was held every year in the city of Jerusalem. Now, last time I preached on this, the pastor came to me and said, Ernest, you gave too much information. So I'm going to try to keep it concise and short. And, and, but he, the idea here is during one time, week of the year, the people of Israel are instructed to leave their homes move outside of their homes and live in little booths or lean-tos or tents, whichever they choose, and they're to live outside for a week. They're to abandon their house and live outside for a week, which to me doesn't sound like that much fun. But every day during this week, there's a special celebration. This is a festival weekend. It's not a solemn festival. It's kind of a fun time for the nation of Israel in which they celebrate the goodness of God it talks, it harkens back to those days when they were living in little tents in the desert and God supplied everything. God supplied everything. 
There were no 7-Elevens. There were no grocery stores. There were no McDonald's, which we don't understand. But Jesus, in his remarkable way of touching not just the present, but the past as well, he brings these two times together on what we call the last and greatest day of the festival. So I want you to get your mind in a festival atmosphere. Would you do that? It's a happy time. People are happy. They go from fe- they go from tent to tent. They take little presents. They sit and they talk and share stories about family. But on the last day, now every day during this festival, there's a certain thing that happens. Is it? There's what they call the water festival, and it's a water. It's it's, it's where the high priest each morning he comes out of the door. There's thousands, he, the temple is there in Jerusalem. He steps outside the doors of the temple. The, man, the doors swing open. He has a silver jug in his hand, and he pours the water, and the water runs down the steps. And as running down the steps, the people all begin to shout and clap, and they get really roisterous and happy, and they start singing Psalms 118, the Thanksgiving Psalm, because they are remembering and celebrating that in the desert when there's no water to drink, God gives them water to drink. On the last day, there's this elaborate festival. This goes on for seven days. On the eighth day, the great day of the festival, it's all, all the stops are poured out. The, the priest puts on his finest uh, suit. Everything is just, and the doors open just as the sun is rising. And there, all the priests have lined up in there. But the main priest has his silver jug above his pitcher, above his head. And he starts marching down the steps. And he marches outside of the doors that, that are opening. And they, the doors open. And they go marching down through the streets of Jerusalem. And the people follow them. They make a great big parade. And they're singing. And they're clapping. And they're playing tambourines. And the little kids are just having a ball. This is a fun time. In fact, one of the rabbis wrote later, in the history of Israel, these words. He says, you have not seen happy until you've seen the water-drawing festival of the Jewish people. Because they really got happy. They were excited that God had given them water in the desert. And so the priest would go down to the, pre- to the, to Salome, the, pre- the pool of Siloam, and he would reach in and he would grab some water like this. He would hold it up over his head. The people were shouting, they're clapping, they're celebrating. And then he takes it back. They make, a, they make a parade back up into the temple. And he goes, he climbs those stairs one step at a time. And then he stops next to the golden altar, which is at the top of the stairs. And he pours this water out. And as he's pouring this water out, the people start clapping and they start singing once again. And it is at this moment, most historians believe, that Jesus climbed up on one of the porticos or one of the porches there. He climbed to a place up on top of one of the great columns, and he said these words, Hey, if you're thirsty, come to me, and I will give you water to drink. And he's standing up there like a wild man, and he makes this proclamation. If you are thirsty, really thirsty, come to me, and I will give you water to drink. And let's read on what the Bible says. Let's go back to our little verses there. It said, by this in verse 39, Jesus meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him, and if you're a believer here this morning, this is a promise for you, would later to receive. 
up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. Now listen to these next words, because the people are all listening. They're tuned in now. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Because Moses said, one day God will send among you a prophet like me. You are to listen to him and do everything that he tells you. And now the people connect and they say, this must be the prophet. This must be the guy we're waiting for. This must be the one that we've been waiting for. And Jesus is standing up there and he's made this bold proclamation. If you're thirsty, come to me. What gets interesting about this is the backstory gets a little bit more complex and complicated. And if you've got your Bible open, I want you to go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, we're not going to take long. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'll see that. I'll believe that when I see it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. And here Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, I, Brothers, I don't want you to forget, my dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked to the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all who were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, the manna, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. Listen to this. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Now here he is, thousands of years later, in the desert when they were thirsty. And they were whining to Moses. Christian people never whine, right? Church people, we never whine. But they were whining to Moses. We have no water to drink. You brought us out here to die. You brought us out here to just die slowly of thirst. And Moses was instructed by God, and he turned to the rock that was there. And out of the rock poured water. Now, I was preaching on this one time in a city. I love this. I was preaching in a city. And I said, to, I, I just, it just kind of came out of me. I said, uh, there were about a million or a million and a half people gathered on that desert floor that morning. And Moses spoke to that rock. And the rock poured out water. And the water began to flow. And it began, how much water do you think came out of that rock? Said, how much water does it take to supply the needs of a million people for not just one day, but for days on end, I just throwing that out there. I really wasn't expecting an answer. After the service, a guy comes up to me, and he's got a calculator in his hand. And he holds it up, and he says it would take approximately this much water to satisfy a million people for one day. And I didn't even look at it because who cares, you know. But it just, and he said, I know. He says, I run the water department in this city. But it's amazing. To supply water, not just to drink, but water for their cattle and water to wash their babies' faces with and water for their goldfish if they got them. The water came from the rock and supplied everything that they needed. And I want to read this to you. This is amazing. I love this. I love this. He said, and, and uh, from Exodus chapter 17, you don't have to go, Behold, I will stand before there, the rock and the Horeb, and you will smite the rock. This is when he smites the rock. And the water will come out of it. 
and the water will come from within it. Every time the rock in the Old Testament is discussed by God, it's given a name, him, because that rock was Jesus. Say it with me, Jesus. And out of him came the spiritual refreshment they needed to live. There on the desert floor when they were about to die and they were parched and out ahead of them like months and months before, weeks before they could reach the next water stop. Out of him poured water, not just for that day, water for every moment that they needed it. The water just kept pouring onto the desert floor until a lake was established and they could drink all they needed and they could be refreshed and they could refresh themselves there in the desert where no water was. And now Jesus, thousands of years later, is standing on the particle of the temple, and he looks at them as they're celebrating a pitcher of water being poured down steps. And he said, look, if you're really thirsty, come to me. Now, it's interesting. Bible scholars tell us that he didn't say it politely. He screamed it at the top of his voice like an Old Testament prophecy. You can see Jesus. He really got unsophisticated. I mean, he's up there yelling, if you're thirsty, come to me. I'm the one that will satisfy your thirst. But he's not talking about just the life that he offers, but he's talking about what's coming next, the satisfaction that comes when the Spirit of God is entering and it begins to fill and flow into the life of the believer. Out of him shall pour rivers of living water. I heard Jack Hayford say, uh, had the privilege of hearing him speak on the subject a few years ago, and he was speaking to us in a, in a conference, and he said, it's interesting. He says, the idea that Jesus was working with, and see if you can capture that. He says, is that in the Old Testament, you know, and some of you might have one of these even in your front porch, I don't know. They used to have wells that you would have to prime with water before you could get it going. How many have ever seen those? You know what I'm talking about? I'm in Nebraska. What am I talking about? Okay, water. You get to prime the well before you get it going. He says, that's sort of the idea that Jesus had. He says, I will give you water. I'll give you the spirit. He says, but once that water comes into you, it comes into you. It's living water, and it comes in, and it breaks the reservoir of worship that is in every human being that God created and placed in every human being so that when that reservoir is broken, water of the spirit mingled with the praise of the individual begins to flow back and forth into the presence of God. This is a unique relationship. Jesus said, if you're really thirsty, if you're really thirsty. You know, there are a lot of believers in churches this morning who struggle in their spiritual life. There are a lot of believers who struggle just, just reading the next 10 pages or praying the next 10 minutes. Or, and David Wilkerson used to say, 10 minutes of prayer and 10 minutes of devotion is never really going to bring you into a living relationship with God. You need something that breaks through. You need something that breaks through the hard shell of your everyday circumstances. And only the power of the Holy Spirit coming from God can break through the hard shell and break through the intellect and break through the questions and Pour into you the fountain of living water that will produce in you a wonderful element of continual worship and communion. You know, we had communion just a few moments ago. 
And I like the way they do it today with the little cups like that because there's no way you're going to spill it on your pants or anything anymore. But I, since time immortal, and I was kind of raised in church to some degree. I wasn't always in church, though I was in church. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen? I, I had a drug problem back then. My mother, she drugged me to church, okay? And um, unlike some people, you know, I was there, but I wasn't always there. But I always remembered the communion part. But something always stayed with me. That was special. Because that talked about a moment in time when Jesus became very, very intimate with his disciples. When he kind of lays aside everything else and he becomes very intimate. And when the Holy Spirit comes into the life of the believer, when you receive what was offered on the day of Pentecost, and you are baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the living water begins to gush and flow in you, and it releases and breaks through, a communion is established between you and God that is unlike anything else. I cannot tell you the number of times since in my own life, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, now, this is just me speaking from my own, okay? So just, but I can just think of the number of times. Ready? Listen carefully. When I woke up, hands lifted, words pouring out of my heart, words that I didn't even plan to say because my spirit man was worshiped, because inside of me something was broken, and the power of the Holy Spirit began to stir. I began to worship, and out of me came the language of heaven, and out of me came an intimacy with God and a longing for God that isn't found in devotion and isn't found in 10 minutes of prayer, but found when he breaks through that hard core of our own personality, our own distinction, and we allow him to break through if you're thirsty. So they tell me that when you're thirsty, how many have ever been thirsty? I'll wait for the answer. Duh. Everybody has been thirsty. I was in Africa. I was preaching in Africa some time ago, and I held up the bottle, and I was preaching on the water of life because water in Africa is very scarce. And I held up the bottle of water they gave me and said, what is this? And as a whole, they all shouted back, it's a bottle. I said, yeah, but what's in the bottle? And they said, I'm not kidding you, they, they all shouted back. There's about 500 of them. And then, of course, they shout back, we don't know. And the, and the interpreter says, what is in the bottle? And I said, it's water. It's, it's water. And say, yes, it's water. And they all begin to clap, you know, because water is important. They tell me that when, when, um, when the first pioneers came across the great American desert, thousands of them refused to settle here and in the Dakotas and in Kansas because they looked on it and they saw nothing but a desert. Remember that from history class? They saw nothing but a desert. But those who stayed broke through to the water that was here, which at the time was not very deep, and they tapped into the greatest resource of fresh water known to the world. The great, what they used to call the great inland sea. And that fresh water supplied water to raise crops, build homes, build cities. And the idea is that it was there all the time. You just had to 
get to it. Others walked right by it and could see no value in it because it didn't just offer, it didn't jump up and grab them. Now that happened to the people of Israel, but the water that God intends on all of us to have is not a liquid that satisfies for the moment, but a living water that pours into us, breaks through, and gets into that living reservoir of worship that God has put in. How many have ever, let me just kind of describe this because we're almost through. Give your neighbor just a little elbow and say, wake up, he's almost through. Listen to this. How many have ever stood out in the evening when the sun is going down? Or maybe even in the morning? And just for a moment, watch the majesty of a sunset or a sunrise. And something inside of you went, wow. How many have ever done that? Anybody ever done that? You guys got the most beautiful sunsets. When you can see them through the thunderclouds, I mean. But it's something inside of you. Ready? You ready? Something inside of you was designed to worship. And that's what appreciates the beauty and the awesome splendor. And when the Holy Spirit breaks in, if you're thirsty, when you drink, you have to do two things. And listen carefully to this. You have to pour it in your mouth, and you have to open your throat to receive it. The action is pouring and receiving. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying. Because the Bible says he was talking not of himself, but of the Holy Spirit that would be given to all who believe in him. So here's all that I'm saying. On that day, Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit back to Israel by saying, if you're really thirsty, and not just for the religious pageantry that you get from church, you need this. But if you want to take home the majesty of God inside of you, if you want to be filled with the magnificence of water from the throne of God in the person of the Holy Spirit, come to me. Come to me. All across America and everywhere we go, everywhere I preach, whether it's in Central America or Africa or even in Europe, where, by the way, in Europe, one of the hardest, coldest missionary places ever because Christianity didn't work. And so they just reject. But even today, among those who have rejected organized religion and Christianity, there's a stirring for some real supernatural relationship with God. So they were sitting in front of me. Well, and there were about 42 of them that day. And I asked this question. How many here have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Everybody, hands up, because this is a Holy Spirit college training seminar thing. Okay, everybody here. And I said, how do you know that you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Girl in the back, girl, she's in her 30s. She raised her hand. She says, my pastor told me I did. He said I did. Not to worry about it, I did. We went around the class. How many? And everybody, 
So I instructed them to go home and watch one video, which is available to you as well. It's just what happened as at Zusa Street when the Holy Spirit fell. In that little black community in industrial Los Angeles in 1905. The next morning they came back and the class was just buzzing. And they asked me, Young lady sitting over here said, what is that? And another one, what were we seeing? And I said, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues and all the other gifts were. And a young man stood up and said, I ain't got nothing like that. What I have isn't anything like that. And it's not about what it looks like. It's about what it does when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And though you may not understand completely and totally exactly what's going on, let me just give you these words and then we're closing, okay? The Jewish people of Jesus' day, the, the scholars, the guys who wore the pointy hat, they all said that that scripture about the living water pointed to the day when God would pour out his spirit, as was talked about in Joel 2, where I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We are closer to that moment in time than we've ever been. There is an undercurrent flowing through the church today. People are hungry for living water. That might sound like a reversal in metaphors, but they are hungry. They are thirsty. They are ready. So the question that gives, that we break down, that we close with is simply this. Is this your very own experience? Is this your very own experience? It's not being done for the sake of who has and who doesn't have. It's just something the Lord laid upon my heart to ask people when I go. Is your relationship with God vital communion? alive in the power of the Holy Spirit. It can be yours. Close your eyes with me for just a moment. Bow your heads all across. We're not going to do anything weird. I'm not going to spit on you. We're not going to get all, you know, push you down. Because that's not what this is about. This is about responding to the words of Jesus. Are you thirsty? For all that God has for you? Do you thirst for everything God intended your spiritual man to have? Just before the group begins to worship, lead us in worship, last closing moments, let me just take you to a moment in time. Jesus standing asking, are you thirsty? If you are thirsty, come to me. If you are thirsty, would you do this right now? Can you lay your hand over your heart? And if you're thirsty, lay your hand over your heart all across the room. Everyone can do it. Lord, I thirst for the living water. 
that only the Holy Spirit can pour into my life. Father, in the name of Jesus, to every thirsty heart, to everyone who wants all you have for them, pour your Holy Spirit into these thirsty vessels. Say this with me, Lord, I receive this living water. I am thirsty for your spirit, and I come to you. Pour your water into my heart. Go ahead right now. Pray it out right now. Pray from your own thirst. Pour your spirit into my life. Pour, satisfy this thirsty relationship all across. It's in the room. The Holy Spirit is in the room. The atmosphere is soaked with His presence. He's here. He's here. And He wants to fill you up completely. And He wants to satisfy you. That spiritual hunger, that spiritual thirst, that longing to worship. Holy Spirit comes. Shout it out to Him. Holy Spirit, come. Come to my heart. Fill me now, O Spirit of God. Father, we worship you and we praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Go ahead and worship right now. Why don't you stand right now where you are and let's begin to worship him out now in our own heart. Let's say, Lord, I receive this gift of living water. Lord, I receive this gift of living water. What was promised thousands of years ago can be received in this moment. And we can enjoy the presence of God, the longing of every Christian, every human being to be satisfied with living water. Let's say it together. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Let's worship together. Lift your hands and let's begin to worship.